You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 117. On today's show, I chat with Abby Johnson, CEO of Matterhorn Business Development and Certified Profit First Professional for Small Business Owners. We discuss when to pay someone on a 1099 or a W-2, if W-2, how to file the correct tax filing paperwork, and how much it costs to hire a company to do the filing for you. Then we discuss how to profit first, setting aside money for you, the owner, setting aside money for taxes and operating expenses, and how to go about modeling after the profit first system for someone making less than $250,000 in annual revenue. One announcement before we start, which you might know about if you saw our newsletter for October We are recording a live episode at LDI this year. Now, we've mentioned that before, but this year we're partnering with Ayrton Lighting. Now, Ayrton noticed that our panel is all female lighting designers. In 2021, Ayrton became the only supporter from the entertainment industry for the organization Women in Lighting. And since then, they're taking different actions to support all women in the lighting industry As part of this LDI partnership, you'll see our November episodes will be Ayrton episodes, which will focus on women in lighting. The panel at LDI will be previous guests we've had on this show, plus a new face, Marcia Stern, Ebony Madry, and Jen Schriever. The LDI session is called Artistic Finance, a Freelance Perspective. We'll be talking with three lighting designers about freelancing and how they handle their finances If you're in the lighting stage technology business and you'll be at LDI this year, I would love to see you there. We'll be recording on November 18th at 11.30 a.m. Las Vegas time. And then we'll be attending the Women in Lighting panel, which is at 3.30 p.m. Marcia Stern is already up to happy hour plans, so there will be other activities. So I hope to see you at LDI, and if you can't make it, you'll of course get the episode right here in the podcast feed, so be sure that you're subscribed so that you'll get the notification when that comes out. Another way to hear about the episode is through our newsletter, which comes out once a month. You can sign up for that on our website or email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. And now to today's episode, which is jam-packed with great advice. So I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording it. So without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel. We are recording this on Friday, October 7th, 2022. And I don't actually know what the news is right now because I've been working so much. (laughs) And I just opened the Rocky Horror Show at the Forestburg Playhouse last night. So it was long tech, long tech, and I don't know what's happening in the world. Other than the hurricane is over and the rain has stopped. Today, I'm welcoming Abby Johnson to the show. Welcome, Abby. Thanks. Thanks, Ethan, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. First things first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, obviously, my name is Abby Johnson. Um, I'm the CEO of Matterhorn Business Development. We're a family uh, business coaching firm. But I actually grew up as an artist. I'm very creative outside of my business coaching life. 
Um, I was a musician uh, in a band for about a decade playing shows around town and all that. Um, I enjoy painting and crocheting um, and definitely have that creative side of me. Um, but I ended up growing up in my dad's businesses. He had um, another consulting business. So I kind of grew up in the business world there and found out I had an aptitude for numbers and operations and organization. So I think I'm kind of an anomaly where I kind of have a bit of left brain and right brain, you know? Um, <laughs> so I, I can approach things from a, a systematic approach, but also, you know, be a little wild and free in, in the artistic sense. But basically, I help my clients uh, grow their businesses and grow their revenue while also becoming profitable and maintaining profitability, because it's really easy to increase your income and make more money. Um, but usually people see expenses increasing at the same rate. And I, of course, have a special place in my heart for artists. And that's why I'm so excited to be here to share uh, the business knowledge I have to help other artists. I love talking yeah. about this music part of you, because when I reached out to you, it was actually about your business acumen. And I didn't know about any of the, the music. And then it's also, if anyone's watching this on YouTube, behind you is a keyboard, guitars, some other sort of stringed instruments. So it's like a artist studio. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone can see, we've got our music corner back here. So we still, uh, my husband plays some music too, and he's a photographer and videographer. So that's why I was so excited when you did reach out to me, because I do have a very special place in my heart. I know a lot of artists who struggle with that business side. So a couple icebreaker questions that I ask everybody. So what is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member? Well, so obviously I'm going to say concerts because I'm a musician and that's like my main art form. But I also, I love plays as well, um, like Broadway plays and stuff. I think it all does come back to music for me because, you know, when you find that song that like speaks to you and brings out that strong emotion in you at a concert, you're in a more rowdy environment sometimes, but you're with this big group of people kind of like jumping and shouting and having this shared experience where you are forgetting about your troubles. You're just in that moment, you know, like your mood is lifted. All right. So now on to your financial personality. I think we know this one already, but I'll ask it anyway. Are you good or bad with money? So I'm pretty good with money. I, I will say what I lack in is like the investing side of things. I am not, um, you know, there's like all the Bitcoin and stock market and all that stuff I kind of uh, have not gotten into. Um, I probably should being 30, I should probably be getting more into investing. <laughs> um, but I am pretty good at money management and, and that kind of stuff. And that's where I focus with my clients as well. Um, but if they need anything outside of my realm, I say, you need to go to your financial advisor because they're the ones trained in that, not me. All right. So Abby, the reason I reached out to you actually is because we've been talking on the show and like me, I'm a lighting designer. So this means that sometimes I hire assistants and I pay people and I've always paid them on a 1099. And that's just the easiest for me. 
Then 2020 happened, and it was this whole thing with all the arts people going on unemployment. And then because they had 1099, getting on unemployment was a lot harder than if they had W-2, whereas W-2 people were like, tink, 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 here, I'm on unemployment. <laughs> it was never this easy during 2020, but <laughs> something like that. So a lot of discussions happened in the theater community about designers who have design firms are paying people in 1099, but they're not paying into their social security. They're not paying a certain amount of taxes. And that's unfair to sort of everybody, but it's easier for bookkeeping. So I actually reached out to you because how would I, as just a single person who, let's say I hire three people in one year and I pay them each $1,000. So it's like, I'm not hiring many people. Do you know, or is there a way in which I could pay them on a W-2 so that way it's better for them? Yeah. So it, it's going to also depend on your state. Um, like in Florida, uh, we're a little more like free with those types of laws. I, I won't say free, but not as restricted. Um, you know, in California, in the past couple years, there was this big AB5 bill, which we have a lot of heated debates on our YouTube channel about. But it was for that reason where they California started really restricting putting people on W-2 as opposed to 1099s. And there's two sides of the coin. There's their law, you know, and I'm not a lawyer. You, if you're in California, please find out exactly for yourself how this applies to you. But essentially they were, you know, if you did, I think it was about six or more jobs for someone, then you had to be on W-2. But then some people don't want to be on W-2. Like if I'm a graphic designer, I'm doing, you know, 20 job offhand jobs for someone. I don't want to be a W-2 because then that also means whoever is employing me can dictate my schedule, dictate my wages, um, those types of things. So on the other hand, though, it is nice to be on W-2. So your taxes are just taken out of your check and you don't really have to think about it. It's easier to get on unemployment, like you said. So there's kind of pros and cons to to both sides of if you're on a 1099 or a W-2. In my opinion, if you're just paying these people kind of one off, then it does make more sense probably for them to just be a 1099. Now, if you're paying them like on a regular basis, like every month you have a job for them, that might make more sense to start turning them into an employee. But there are specific guidelines per state of if someone's on W-2, you can dictate their wages, dictate their schedule, those types of things. So that's where a lot of subcontractors want to remain subcontractors because they want to be autonomous. They want to uh, work their own hours and not get into any sort of legal argument. Now, you seem like a nice guy. I'm sure you aren't going to be like, well, you're on W-2. So now I'm calling you in at midnight and you need to come work for me. <laughs> nobody, nobody would do that, even if I said it. <laughs> um, so you just have to look really at your state at the laws and see if it actually applies to you. Um, I know it can be a pain as a 1099. I've been 1099 before. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year, you got to gather all your 1099s and all of your expenses and all of that. But that is another point is you get to write off your expenses, whereas a W-2 employee, uh, you don't. But then maybe as a W-2 employee, you're asking for reimbursement. Uh, you know, hey, Ethan, pay for my gas to get to the job or stuff like that. So it can get very 
complicated fast. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and also in theater, the way it works for like designers is they're usually on a 1099. Um, because I, I think the idea is that like, they're just providing the design, etc. But they also have to be there during rehearsals, sometimes during the previews. And so it's like there is a schedule that they're sort of dictated by. So it's it's also this gray area of which is which. And there's been a big push um, to get as many people on to W2 as possible. And it seems for the most part that if it's a big organization like Lincoln Center, where they have accountants and resources, they they almost don't care whether it's 1099 or W2. For the most part, they're very willing to put people on W2s. And then also it's interesting because I actually only think of the tax differences. I really didn't even know about that sort of dictating schedule. I don't know if people are, you know, not everyone's going to actually enforce that, but per your state law, that is what dictates if you're a 1099 or not. You're a 1099 if you make your own schedule, you can work for multiple people, you know, like if you're designing for multiple corporations, that's why you're on 1099 right now. But if one company is employing you for different shows, then yeah, they're probably going to put you on W2. I'm, I don't want to make it about unemployment and how getting on that or off that. It's just that 2020, that's sort of what instigated or reinforced all this. But another example of it, when I learned about the sort of schedule, or basically, if somebody's telling you how to do parts of your job, then you're supposed to be on W2, is I had an acting teacher reach out and say, hey, this company that we were both working for, they want to put me on a W-2, but because I'm on unemployment, I don't want to show W-2 income because then I'll get kicked off for the week, which is, it's just a little complicated. And I said, oh, well, I didn't have this because I'm 1099. But I realized the difference was I was the designer sort of working autonomously. No one's really telling me what to do because they don't know what to do. Whereas they were an acting teacher. And so they had to show up on a certain time for classes and they had to teach a certain, like a specific acting thing. So even though we were Technically, like both freelancing for the same company, they were W-2, I was 1099. And that's where I disagreed with California's latest law is because, you know, because they have the entertainment industry out there. So if you're um, on set for one day for a commercial shoot, like it doesn't make sense for someone to be a W-2 employee for one day of work. It just doesn't make sense. But with the way that their law was written, it is that way now sometimes. For me not to be like conspiracy theorist or anything, I, I think it's because they want that extra tax money. Because when someone is a W-2 employee, the employer is now matching that Social Security and Medicare taxes and all of that. So I think that there is kind of some shuffling around of the taxes. And that's really what for the lawmakers, that's what it's about. I, th I think that's good of you to be conspiratorial, because that's probably the truth. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm always thinking from bottom up. So I'm thinking the people that are getting these paychecks, these are the rules to protect them. That's what I'm always thinking. <laughs> but is that the real rule? Probably not so much. But for me, it's like, it, on 1099, at least at the end of the year, I pay into Social Security for myself. So I feel like I'm paying the taxes. And I know that like, if I rent equipment, which I don't really do very much of because I don't want to deal with the sales tax and stuff like this. But when I do, so okay, I shouldn't say this on, on air. But so if I rent out an equipment, I try to do it like on a 1099 where the money just comes to me like blank which I think is worse for my taxes, but then I don't worry about sales tax. So I like charge for the labor of gathering the gear and then I give away the gear for free. 
Oh, okay. I see. I'm sure that's illegal and probably not right. And now I'm going to get audited or something. <laughs> but that's how I do it. Just because like I have done the sales tax in the past. It's 8.875% here in New York State. It's not that I mind paying it, but it's that I don't understand. So instead what I do is I get the 1099 income and then I pay the taxes on that, which, which in my brain, I'm paying the same tax. But what you're saying is the state probably makes sure they get it if I do it the other way. So this is where it also, you know, comes into if you are like, are you a sole proprietor LLC? Are you your own S corp? So even though it's you, you're still considered an entity. And if you are, then the government wants to see you as the business owner on W-2 pay. This is why I'm not an accountant, to be honest. Is because it can get pretty complicated. And that is where you should check with your accountant if you are like an LLC, if you should be S Corp, if you shouldn't be. But if you're making a certain amount of income, the government wants to see you as an S Corp because they want to see you contributing into those funds. I believe as a 1099, you aren't. You're just paying your, your income tax at the end of the year. Yeah. And then I don't have state income tax. So I don't, I've never in my life had to deal with state income tax here in Florida, which is a nice thing to not have to worry about. For you, you also have to pay that at the end of the year as a, as a 1099. And city tax, New York City. <laughs> You have to pay to to live in in that great city. (laughs) Exactly. You wake up, you're losing money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And the other thing is going back to like, um, if there's anybody regulating these rules, like as far as I know, nobody would ever call anybody out for like paying on a W-2 versus a 1099, at least in the theater and these one-off gigs, like no one's ever going to audit them and then say, oh, you really should have been paying all these 1099s on W-2, go back and correct the files. I've I've never heard of that happening except once <laughs> we had a lighting designer named Ken Billington on the show and he has a design firm that he's had for 30 years and I asked him how he paid his employees and he said oh I just pay them all on 1099 and I was like surprised to hear that because they're like full-time 1099 for him and then he said he said well every every once in a while the IRS will audit and they will come back and say you were paying these people 1099 when you should have been w2 and then he i said well what do you do and he says well i just pay the fine and move on and carry on doing <laughs> doing what i do so like <laughs> it's like that's just how it works like yeah i mean i would i would not advise um doing it that way i can't as as a business coach i have a client right now that they're paying their employees as 1099s. And I'm like, they're not 1099s though. Like it can be easier for the business owner to just, you know, I think people get intimidated by the the paperwork and the setting up and the logistics of paying W-2, but it's really not that difficult to do. So my advice is to just adhere to the law for your state and for your area. Yes, it's possible you could get audited. So if you are doing the incorrect thing, I've never heard of anyone getting in trouble for paying W-2 when they're supposed to be paying 1099. But the other way around, they definitely don't like that because then they are losing out on on tax dollars that way. So So say I'm going to hire somebody for $1,000 a month. I'm going to make sure they get a day of work every every month. And I want to put them on W-2. How do I actually go about doing that? So if you are going to have W-2 employees and you have cleared it with you know, your state's laws, you probably should check with your accountant. It's really not that bad. There is paperwork, but I'm going to tell you the easiest way to do this. 
the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to register with your state's Department of Revenue because um, that's where the unemployment that you pay into goes to. So if you just, you know, Google Florida Department of Revenue registration, there's an option to uh, register there with unemployment or here in Florida, we call it reemployment. Register there, you get like an employer number. Um, the next thing is you're going to have to pay your employees, right? So these days with technology, we're fortunate in that we have a lot of softwares that you can get set up with to do this for you. If we were, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, it, it could be more complicated. Or I know people who pay their accountants to do their payroll, but really it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. My favorite software is called Patriot Software. It's pretty cost effective. Don't quote me on the pricing. It's like $45 a month and $3 per employee per month. And basically you can set up your employees information there. You're going to need their social security. They'll help you fill out a W-4 for that employee. Well, the employee will fill it out with their tax information. And then you can set them up on salary or hourly and you run the payroll through that service. And then that service will calculate all the taxes for you. My suggestion would be to also pay for whatever option files the paperwork and payments for you, because you do have to make quarterly payments, yearly payments, and quarterly and yearly filings with paperwork. And I can tell you from personal experience, the first time I started doing this by myself, I did it through the QuickBooks service, which was not my favorite service and isn't why I don't use them anymore. And I was trying to be frugal. So I did the option where I could file the paperwork myself. And it was just such a pain, you know, to every quarter remember to do it. And then sometimes I would forget and I would be late. It was just something that I didn't need on my plate, this extra step. So I definitely suggest paying for an option that does that for you. And it is that kind of price level I already talked about. So wait, so you're saying that the $45 that we're not quoting you on right. <laughs> includes the option for them to file the taxes? Yes. So like that's the option I have and they take care of the taxes for me. What I also like about it is it takes that money out of your account right away. So if you're making these filings yourself, then you're also making the payments every quarter. And because we are uh, talking about finances here, if I owe money, I want it out of my account, you know, but if it's sitting there accumulating over the quarter and I owe I mean, if you're paying one person three times a quarter, it's not going to be that much. But whatever, even if I owe $1,000 at the end of the quarter, you're going to feel that in your bank account when you're paying it out all at once. But if it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks a week or biweekly, it's much easier to manage your money that way. So that's another reason why I like that option is they take the money out for you every pay period, every time you're on payroll. And then they handle sending the payments in every quarter for you, sending in the paperwork. And I believe they have guarantees as well. Like they guarantee they're going to 100% be accurate. So if the government comes back to you and says, hey, you messed up here, you know, it's on them because they were the ones filling out the paperwork for you. And that $3 per person per month, is that like if you paid them, let's say you paid them every week, would it still be $3 or is it $3 every paycheck? Just per month, no matter how frequently you pay them. All right. So I just did 45 times 12 and then three times 12. So let's just say I was going to hire one person for the year. 
I would have to pay $576 in order for this all to happen, which actually does seem pretty reasonable. Yeah. And especially compared to like hiring or paying your accountant to do it for you, they're going to be charging you, you know, $50 an hour or, or whatever it is. So it is more cost effective to do it this way. And then I, I just realized too, that one thing that I left out because I'm in Florida and we don't have state income tax is you are going to need to register, um, with your state for the state income tax so that you can, um, send the state withholdings in. So, um, this also applies, you know, I'm in Florida, but if I hire someone who's a remote worker for me in New York, I'm going to have to register with the state of New York to send their state uh, withholdings every pay period. So um, you're going to need to file with your state department of revenue. Again, I'm in Florida, so I haven't had to do that. So it might be a one-step process where you're filing, you're registering for unemployment and the income tax at the same time. Um, But that's just that extra step I don't normally have to think about um, that you might have to for your state. You mentioned the quarterly taxes, uh, stuff like that. So does that mean it files it for you? Like I know for me, like I have to pay my quarterly taxes on my own, or if I don't have any due, I have to go file and say, I'm not paying any this quarter. Is that what it does for you? No. So that is for you as, um, an entity or as an, um, LLC is what I have. Okay. Yeah. So if you're an LLC, you're doing your own quarterly, it's just more paperwork. You're doing your own quarterly tax filing. So if you think about it as that's for your personal tax purposes, whereas this quarterly report is for your employees um, taxes and you're saying, okay, my employee had $500 withheld from their check this month or this quarter. Um, So I'm sending in a report saying that this is what was withheld. And this is how much their gross pay was. So here's the report and here's the $500 that was withheld. Instead of you having to hang on to that $500, Patriot Software in this example will just take the money every pay period. You don't even have to think about it. And at the end of the quarter, they just send off that report. They send off the payment. I just get an email saying, hey, your your quarterly filing was sent. If you want to view it, click here. I never view it because I <laughs> I have no reason to. <laughs> I probably should be checking it, but I, I trust them. I haven't had any issues <laughs> with them. So um, that's what they're taking care of is your employees' taxes. All right. And then about registering with the state. So aforementioned, I have been skirting the law by renting equipment <laughs> in an <laughs> illegal way. Okay. And by the way, if the IRS is listening, this was all seven years ago or whenever the statute of limitations <laughs> expire. It was all previous to that, not recently. Right. You haven't done uh, that recently. <laughs> part of the reason I do that is because I do have an LLC. But Abby, this is going to hurt you being a business minded human being. I find the taxes, even with an accountant, I get overwhelmed with the taxes. So I have the mm-hmm. LLC, but I never use it. Like I used it one year and I thought this is too stressful. And so I've just mm-hmm. kept it alive but mm-hmm. I don't actually use it. So then everything I do is just like me, the person. As the individual, yeah. So when you're registering to pay somebody on W-2, can I do that as Ethan, the person? Or do I have to do it through Ethan, the LLC that I have? So you're gonna, in order to run payroll, you have to have an EIN with the IRS. 
So you can get an EIN electronic identification number. So you can, I believe, get one as an individual because that way you could be submitting 1099s with your EIN instead of your social security number. It's really like your business's social security number is what an EIN is. So Patriot Software will ask for an EIN. Um, So that is a step you're going to have to do first if you don't already have one of those. If you have an LLC, you already have an EIN. So if you wanted, you could run it through your LLC, but then your LLC has to have money in it to pay. Really, you should probably be putting everything through the LLC, but I'll leave that up to your accountant to talk to you about. Um, (laughs) Oh, great. I'm going to get a call if he listens to this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's really all the same, like in terms of you're, you're going to have to provide your accountant with all of your 1099s and all of your expenses at the end of the year, whether you're filing as an filing as an individual or you're filing as an LLC, it's kind of going to be the same work either way. To be fair, when I send off the paperwork for tax time, I always include like, here's my EIN, here's the name of the company, and I didn't do anything with it. So I've just been sort of skirting under it. Anyway, let's move on. It probably doesn't really matter. I'm sure if you needed to be using the LLC, your accountant would have said something by now. (laughs) I'll trust it with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So now I feel like we've covered W-2 pretty well. Basically, it's sort of up to us, the individuals or businesses, if we want to do it. Um, I think cost-wise, what you quoted us there is very reasonable. So I don't feel the need right now to put people on W-2. But if I do feel that, because I sort of feel a moral obligation to do it because it's, I think it's good for people. And if for whatever reason they said, I want to be on 1099, that's very easy to do because I can just, you know, whoever wants to be on W-2, great. And then if not, um, so I'm feeling good about that. And I'm feeling like I could definitely put somebody on a W-2, give me, you know, a week to just file all those forms. Um, so now let's go on to profit first. I'm interrupting the show to mention our Patreon page. So if you enjoy this show and you'd like to give back, there are three very easy ways to do so. One, pay our fee for listening. And that is a free fee to tell somebody about the show. So share a link with them and say why you listen. The second way to give back is email me directly at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. I read all the emails, so give me any feedback why you like the show, what I can do better, or a guest that you'd like us to interview. So several people have actually done this, and that's how we've come up with some of our best episodes. The third way to support us is by becoming a patron. If you would like an exclusive podcast feed with bonus episodes and other additional content, join up as a patron of the show. So our most recent patron, Savannah Bell, reached out and asked me about RoboAdvisor. That's got the ball rolling on an episode about those, and I actually asked Abby about those, and that's in this week's bonus episode. That bonus episode also includes us talking about Broadway, specifically The Lion King, and Abby's music career. If you'd like to sign up, you can start for as little as $3 a month or $34 if you sign up annually, and you can cancel any time. So sign up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Thank you in advance. And now back to the show. So now I ask, what is Profit First? I'll give the shortened version. I, I can do an hour and a half presentation on this, obviously. But basically, it's a way of managing money within a business or as a 1099 individual, you're, you're kind of a business owner. Um, you have expenses. You're getting your own jobs. 
I still see you as a business. You're just a one, a one man business. Um, but it's a way of managing money to make sure that you are managing it profitably. Um, you are paying your taxes, you are paying yourself. A lot of business owners aren't paying themselves or they're paying themselves the same wage as their employees or paying their employees more than themselves. Um, so this way of managing money helps make sure that the business owner who is usually the person putting in the most time and effort into the business is actually getting fairly compensated. Typically in the accounting world, if you were to pull up a profit and loss statement, you know, this is what your taxes are based off of. There's this accounting equation that your revenue, so all of the money in, all of your income minus expenses equals profit. So let's say, you know, you made $100,000 in the year and you had $90,000 in expenses, you profited $10,000. It seems very simple, but the problem with this equation is if your accountant shows you that profit and loss statement, they're like, hey, look, you profited $10,000. Good job. If you were to go to your bank account, you're going to be like, well, where's that (laughs) $10,000? That's great, but it's not, it does not reflect in the, in the account, right? Um, that's because there's a lot of other accounting things that happen in the background that don't actually show up on that profit and loss statement. And that cash, the actual cash might've been there in your bank account, but you spent it because it was there. You're saying, Hey, I have this money. I can go buy this new piece of equipment. I can finally afford to rent a space. So this equation is flawed in that way. So profit first flips this equation around. So it goes, um, you have your income and then you minus your profit first. So you take out profit and set it aside and then you run your business on what's left over. Um, so for example, let's use $100,000 again. So you, ha- you made $100,000. First, you're going to take 5% of that and set it aside for profit. This would be happening throughout the year. Um, So now you have $5,000 throughout the year that you could get as a distribution to yourself as a business owner to reward yourself, go do something fun, actually be profiting in the business. Then you take a percentage for your own compensation. Profit is including a profit section, um, your owner's compensation. So this makes sure that you actually get paid. So instead of seeing a chunk of change in your bank account and going and buying that new piece of equipment, and then realizing that you don't have money to pay your own rent. First, you're going to pay yourself, make sure you can pay your rent, buy your groceries. And then at the end of the day, you're going to see what's left in your business bank account and say, "Mm, I can't quite afford that piece of equipment yet. And then as part of that profit phrase is also taxes. So making sure the taxes are taken off and set aside right away because pretty much every business owner I've spoken to, I won't say every, 95% um, are not setting aside for taxes. This is something we all know we need to do, but it's so easy when you get a check to say, well, I need all of this right now. April 15th comes around and your accountant says, hey, here's your tax bill. And you feel like you leave your body (laughs) trying to figure out how you're going to pay that tax bill, right? This system makes sure that you are taken care of as the business owner, your personal life is taken care of, as well as the taxes. 
Um, and the way we do this is by having multiple bank accounts, five bank accounts for each of these categories, and basically sectioning off this money so you can see it in these buckets and see what you can actually afford as a business owner. For artists, you know, I know, especially my husband is a photographer and videographer. When he started getting into it, you know, it was like, well, I need this light kit. I need this new lens. I need a second camera because this one is better for video and this one's better than photo. And, you know, I want to pay for Adobe every month. And, you know, there's expenses that come along with being an artist. This system could help kind of show like, okay, can you actually afford that new camera yet? Or do you need to wait a couple months until your um, expense account actually has enough money in there. Because I know so many, because I've been in the music scene, I have a lot of artist friends. I've seen a lot of friends who go buy the new shiny equipment and then they're like, you know, sleeping on their parents' couch, eating cereal for every meal, (laughs) but they have the best new Sony camera. (laughs) So this kind of could help on the artistic side of things, help kind of mitigate when can you actually afford to buy more gear, invest more in in your art form, um, or do you need to kind of wait it out and do the best you can with the camera you have at this time? Okay, wow, a lot to digest there. Yeah, sorry, that's a lot. <laughs> that I mean, I can't tell you how many like I had to take a film class and blah blah blah, and I can't tell you how many times people are like, you know, you can shoot it on an iPhone, you can shoot it on a this, you can shoot it on a that, and like, yes, the quality would be better on something else, but really, everything always boils down to storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. With this model, I think it's great because yeah, keep all that storytelling, etc but then guilt-free upgrade when it's time or when you have the money in the account, et cetera, versus having that be the cause of your downfall. <laughs> exactly. All right. You said five, you open up five bank accounts. So I, I've gotten palpitations just, just, <laughs> just thinking about uh, opening up five bank accounts. But I was trying to figure out which they are. There's the income would go into one, income off the top, the owner distribution off the top would go into one, and then taxes would go into one. What are the other two? Yeah, so it's not that bad. You have to go into the bank and and do the setup and the and some bankers are going to look at you very strangely when you do this. But yeah, you have an income account, so all of your deposits go into one account because if you just have one bank account where all the money is coming in and out of you never know what you can actually afford in the moment. It looks, it's going to kind of look like there's always money there. Um, So you have an income account where money accumulates. Then you have a specific account called profit. So you can also think of this as like a savings account. Um, The idea with this account is at the end of each quarter, you take half of what is in the account and you take it as a distribution. Let's just say, for example, you had $500 at the end of the quarter, you get a $250 profit distribution. And that's for you to go have fun with. That's not for you to, I mean, if you really need it for your groceries, of course, do that. But that's for you to go treat yourself, you know, and then what's left in the account that other 250 is there as a savings as a cushion, that account also accumulates. So the next quarter, if you put $500 into that account, you now have $750 in that account. And at the end of the quarter, you get to take half of that, which is 375. So now you get a bigger distribution, right? So that's where the, the profit first part is, is you take taking money out of the income account, you're going to put some into that profit account. 
And then the next account is that owner's compensation, owner's pay accounts. You're putting a percentage aside for yourself, for your own pay. Then it's the tax account. You're putting uh, money aside for taxes. And then the final account, the fifth account is the operating expenses account. So after you've put money into profit, owner's pay and tax, what's left over is what you need to run your business on. Because I think I probably was putting taxes in operating accounts together. Right. And then that can be tricky. And that's where when it comes tax time and it's like, hey, here's your tax bill. And that's what's going to give you heart palpitations. Is, <laughs> you know, maybe you had X amount of maybe it's like your whole expense account is going to go to your tax bill now. So this way you're, you're, it has its own designated account that you don't touch. Um, you can make your quarterly payments from that account. Uh, Like you said, you're making quarterly payments. And then at the end of the year, if you owe any more above your quarterly payments, it would come out of that that account. This also sounds like it's a system, clearly, and a very clear, even though it's five accounts, it sounds overwhelming, but (laughs) but it's actually it's a it's a very simple system. And it's obvious Um, because we had Rebecca Selko from the Actress Fund on here or the Entertainment Community Fund, which is now its name. And she was just talking about budgeting and she was saying like flip it backwards, sort of figure out how much you need to operate um, and then make that much money versus (laughs) making your money and then sort of figuring it out from there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great way, a great starting point to know, like I need to make at least a hundred thousand dollars a year to cover everything. This kind of puts it on a more granular perspective and makes sure that as you're making money throughout the year, you aren't spending it when you really shouldn't be. Yeah. And it's also very concrete in the fact of if you're, you get a paycheck in and you separate it out. I mean, constantly on this show, we're saying, uh, okay, have you put into your retirement account for the year? Because as individuals, we have to keep on track of it. And it's, it's very easy to say, and I admire people who are this self-controlled that when you get a paycheck in, you divvy it up. I know I should do that. Do I do that? No. <laughs> um, but this system makes that sort of like, it forces you into, into doing that. Right. Of, and you actually made it sound pretty simple because you said like, do it quarterly, maybe? The, in terms of like the allocations, I suggest at least bi-weekly. Depending on you're working on project-based things where maybe you are only getting like one check a month or something, then you could just do it for that one check. Um, So you could do it like monthly. Um, But at the end of the quarter is when you would take a a distribution, be able to, to take something out of that profit account and reward yourself. Just for the record. So like this week, I worked for three different companies. So, so eventually I'll be getting three different checks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this would pull it all together. So instead of like, oh, I got three different checks, it's just like, okay, I made $1,000 this week. This is how it, you know, 5% of that's going to go here, 40% here, whatever. Yeah. Or if it, or if it's, I'm logging in to look at these five accounts every two weeks on Monday morning, mm-hmm. then right. I say, okay, that's how much is in the account. And then I just divvy it up from there, not worrying about like, am I waiting on this check? Okay, I'll wait a couple of days until that comes in. But it's like, no, that just goes to the next quarter. Exactly. All right. This all sounds lovely, lovely. <laughs> See, you got it already. You got it already. <laughs> we had Naja Roberts on and she said, knowledge is not power, family. Applied knowledge is power. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yes. So I got, yes. The knowledge, Abby, is there 100%. <laughs> applying it. 
Um, this also, we had a projection designer, Kate Hevner, on the show, and she has a design firm where she's hiring studio work all the time. So she does have people that are pretty regular. And she was the one that instigated this um, big push to how to figure out how to go to W2. But one thing she said that stuck with me is something that helped her with money, at least from the art artist perspective of like, I'm an artist working in the theater, is she said you remove yourself like the artist, the individual, the sole proprietor, you remove yourself from the equation. And then you look at it with, if I were a design studio, how would I need to operate to keep it sustainable? And if I, the designer, were actually a design studio, so it's not like they're hiring Kate or Ethan, they're hiring the design firm. You can look and say, oh, the individual could take a, sh a show for like $500, whereas the design firm would need at least 1500 minimum just to be able to sort of pay people and barely break even. Yeah, exactly. Because you might think, yeah, $500 that covers my, my gas and the food I need for the day, or, you know, as an individual, you might be thinking that, but a lot of people underprice themselves in general, especially artists, but they aren't thinking with, oh, I need to pay taxes on this. So that's another 20% or whatever it may be need some wiggle room in case they keep me later or want me to come back or whatever. And these aren't things that a lot of people think about when they're pricing themselves is taxes, especially, and then room for error. Those are kind of like the two big ones that come up. Okay. So I feel like I have the idea here and I sort of like it. I'm a big fan. Am I going to do it? Uh, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, but so this question maybe will apply, maybe won't apply, but I'm just going to ask it. this completely selfish question for me, which is I have the Artistic Finance Podcast and let's just say it has never made a profit. It's the opposite of profit first. But how could I turn just this podcast alone, turn it into a profit first mentality? Like if I was like, I'm going to get, I don't know how to make podcast money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get uh, sponsorships or something like that. Um, and I have Patreon. So like, oh, actually, this is a perfect example. I'll give a real life example if you don't mind. So I get $198 in Patreon money every month. Abby, you'll be upset about this, but that is not enough money to cover the, all the pri all the costs of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's just say it is. How could we take that? Let's round to $200. How could we take that $200 and make it profit first so that I can start profiting? Yeah. So in the book, Profit First, they have the ideal percentages for these categories I've been talking about, and it's based on revenue. Um, now, those percentages aren't always attainable overnight. So for example, the first column of percentages is for anyone under $250,000 in revenue, and that would be only 30% is going towards operating expenses of your business or your venture. And then the rest is, I'm just going to say them really quickly, 5% to profit, 50% to owner's pay, and 15% to tax. So that would be the ideal percentages for your revenue range. But maybe right now, I mean, right now you already told me that it's not profiting, but let's say right now you were your operating expenses were 90% of the $200. What you could do to start is at least start putting 1% into a profit account, 1% into a tax account, maybe a few percent into an owner's pay account. So you start 
small, you start with what you can do because you obviously aren't going to go from 90% expenses to 30% overnight, which is why I love what I do is I help people increase their revenue at the same time, which makes it easier to get to those percentages. So obviously, if you're making more money and your expenses are fixed, like your podcast expenses are probably the same, you know, the same hosting fee every month, that kind of thing. So obviously you want to make more revenue, but if you're making the same $200 every month, you know, you can start trying to see where you can cut expenses. It's hard with only $200, Um, but you can start out small. Like I said, anyone here today, if you leave this podcast, you can at least go open one profit account. You don't even have to open all five and start putting 1% of your income into that account. And then you'll see at the end of the quarter, maybe it's only $50 or something, but go to a movie or go take your spouse out to a nice dinner, or you can at least do something and feel good and feel rewarded for your work. And then maybe this next quarter, you can start putting 2% aside. A good example, I believe this is from the book Profit First Directly is if you can run your business on $100, then you can run it on $99 by setting aside that $1. You know what I mean? So the gist of what I'm trying to say here is just start small, start easy. You can ease into this. You don't have to go from zero to 100 miles an hour uh, with this system. I love that. Real question here. (laughs) (laughs) Would it be ridiculous for me to open up five accounts for artistic finance? Like I already have the LLC. In theory, I could put it in there. Would that be ridiculous or would I need to increase my revenue first? So normally I can I would tell someone like even if you aren't profitable, you you can still implement the system. But with only two hundred dollars a month. I would start with just a profit account and setting 1% aside. Uh, again, if you have fixed expenses, there's not much you can do. Like that's a, that's one of the things I talk to my clients about is like, okay, where can we stop spending frivolously? So if you're if you have the same exact expenses a month to run your podcast, then there might not be that much that can be done there, but I think if you even set aside 1% and you got to give yourself that pay at the end of the quarter, you know, you're at least getting something for for your hard work here. (laughs) And I just want to throw one little wrench in the plan here. Yes. So also another thing (laughs) that I didn't mention, (laughs) and I I can cut this part out because it, it might just ruin everything. But I actually, when I started this, I know I'm not making money, right? But 25% of my income, I actually take off the top and I give back to other artists. Oh, well, that's awesome. It's awesome. But I think it'll take me even longer to get to the profit first. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, but that's fine. Because if that's your purpose for the podcast, then that's great. In that case, you're, you're doing purpose first, you're, you're donating your money first. If you aren't doing this podcast in order to make money and your purpose is to help other artists, then you're kind of already doing profit first. It's just going to the artist instead of you. Oh, this is a good way to, you're right. Because here's the thing, I should try to profit first here because if I'm giving 25% away, the more I profit, the more I give away. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I owe it to everybody now. (laughs) All all the people I support are going to hear this. And then in like three months, they're going to be like, are you making more money? Because you could increase your contribution to us. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. All right, Abby, I've taken over an hour of your time. I know our time limit is coming up here. Um, I have a couple more questions, but thank you so much for explaining profit first and also for the W-2 situation. You've eased my palpitating heart quite a bit. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so first thing is, before we wrap up, is there anything we haven't talked about that maybe you wanted to chat about? Um, I will do a little plug, if you don't mind. We have our YouTube channel, Matterhorn Business Development. So I have a whole profit first playlist there that breaks down all of this even further. And then have um, probably over 400 videos now of all kinds of different business topics, um, in, including a lot about employees, AB5, like I mentioned before, being a leader, tracking statistics. Um, so I think your audience could find a lot of helpful content over there as well. I totally agree because actually the reason I reached out to you because I watched one of your videos on paying people on W-2 because I was trying to get to the bottom of it myself and I thought, well, why don't I just ask Abby to come explain it? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, okay, totally. And I'll have links to those in the show notes if anybody wants to check them out. And um, all right, so now a couple more questions. Is there any advice you can give to somebody that's just starting out a business perhaps or just starting in their career as a sole proprietor individual or wanting to start a business? Uh, I guess like a simple general piece of advice is to try to start clean from the beginning. So this means I know that the business side of things is not normally where artists want to spend their time or want to look at. It's not the fun part. Um, they want to go do their art, which I totally understand. But start from the beginning, you know, get your legal paperwork in order, get with an accountant, make sure that you're set up to, you know, if you're accepting money, make sure that you're accepting it the right way. Um, make sure you're keeping track of your expenses. Because I've just seen way too many businesses where their finances are just a pile of mess because someone didn't take the time to establish a routine and proper habit from the beginning. So I know it's not fun. Opening your profit first accounts isn't fun. I usually have to kind of like kick my clients in the butt to get them to the bank and actually do it. But once it's done and established, it feels so good to just have everything clean and fresh and not messy. <laughs> Amazing. All right. I think I already asked you this, or I think you already answered this. Where can people connect with you and who do you want to connect with you? Yeah. So like I said, the YouTube channel um, for more content is a great place to go. And then if you're interested in working with me, you can go to adventuretoprofit.com. Um, that has all the information on the group coaching program I mentioned earlier. And part of that program is uh, you get help implementing profit first, but it's also a program to help you get more organized and focused in your business. So you aren't kind of running around putting out fires everywhere. And I would love to have more artists in that program. I have had a couple already, but if I could only ever work with artists, I would. I'm just not there yet. <laughs> That's like a whole marketing campaign. But um, I would love for anyone to come join us in that group. Um, and then I also do one-on-one -on -one work. So if you are uh, maybe making a higher level of revenue and feel like you need that concentrated one-on-one um, -on -one attention, I, I am available for that as well. All right. And final question, just for fun. Is <laughs> there a question that you would want to ask me? I guess being in New York, like I am jealous. I guess do you have like a favorite show that you've worked on. Oh, 
That's a really good question. And I'll give the cop-out answer. Last night, I just designed Rocky Horror Show. That's cool. I've seen the movie. I've been to the movie watching party, but I've never actually been to the live show. And it's actually a really sweet show with really sweet music. And I was expecting it to be like raunchy, body, crazy. But it's actually like there's some like it's silly. It's simple. But like there's heart to the story. Nice. Like all today, I'm like humming the song, like these nice little <laughs> songs that like I don't associate with Rocky Horror, but it is. So anyway, Rocky Horror Show is my favorite, which I never thought I would ever say. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Amazing. All right, Abby, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are that it isn't actually that expensive to pay on a W-2. So it's more than the few dollars to file 1099s at the end of the year, but it's reasonable even if you only have one person to put on payroll. It is a bit of paperwork to get started, but any freelancer is already doing that much paperwork. And regarding profit first, it's so obvious, and it's the way it works regardless of whether you follow the system or not, but this is a controlled and responsible way to go about the business side of your career. Starting early with this model is a great idea. Don't be like me and go 10 years freelancing without a structured model. You can start small and grow into it, but seeing that profit first will have a compounding effect. So the sooner you start, the better. Did you learn something today? And are you going to begin paying on a W-2? Or are you considering following the profit first method? So let me know by emailing me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. I respond to every message that comes in and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I sound like a robot sometimes, but I really mean that. I would love to hear your feedback. Now, my action item for you today is to check in and see if you've put money in your retirement fund this year. And if not, or if you haven't put enough in, you have three more months before the end of the year. So do it before the holidays approach. And if you're enjoying the show and you want to support me with what Abby called a purpose-first show, which I really like, your help is wildly welcome. Now, the best ways to help are telling somebody about the show. Tell anybody. doesn't matter who. Just tell anybody. The next best thing is to leave a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. Spotify, you can only rate. Apple Podcasts, you can rate and leave a review. The third way to support us is my favorite way, which is by becoming a Patreon patron. Remember that patrons get a private podcast feed that includes the bonus episodes. Now, today's bonus episode has us discussing robo-advisors, Abby's music career, and The Lion King on Broadway. And a reminder that 25% of Patreon income goes back to artists and arts organizations. So more than $2,000 has already gone to artists thanks to patrons like you. Now, if you'd like to join the 27 other patrons and the two anonymous donors we've had, sign up at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. That's patreon.com slash artisticfinance. And one last thing, which is remembering our LDI episode, mark your calendar for November 18th, 11.30 a.m. Las Vegas time. I would love to see you there. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I learned so much, and I hope that you did too. That's all for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. 
Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.